0: And welcome into the Boardroom Podcast. I am Ward Six Alderman Ben Piper. I'm Ward Four Alderman Chadwicker. Did we get Chris Stapleton to do that song? Man, Dude, whoever wrote that song
1: so and, and produced that song, really sharp.
0: Man, real sharp. That is really. It's coming and in real. I clear. don't. I don't
1: know Ben if you're aware, but uh, I believe I think Monday night there was an issue with the train. The train, uh, I think, was broken down there on the tracks for oh. a while, or for about an okay. hour, and there were some people. Tied up and who were waiting on a train for they sure. They
0: Truly, were. I saw that there was some. Uh, I had a buddy of mine that was trying to get his kids to ball practice and was like, "What is going on here?" And I said, "Man, I don't know, but we will find out." So, a broken down train is yeah, never a good thing in the was, middle of a small town.
1: He was stuck on the Commerce there for. I think I was told about an hour. We had one kid uh, on my baseball team that was late to the first game because he was he was stuck at the the baseball track there. So,
0: and people may may not realize it, but the city does not have any control over the train schedule
1: I I thought that fell in Ward 6 and they had all the control over the
0: train Mm -mm, not Ward 6 not Ward 6 it might be Ward 3 I think we passed or 5 I don't Uh, think it's any of us I
1: I think that's actually who's the the road I think is it would be Mr. Andrews okay um Ward uh, which would be Ward 2
0: but what is what is the deal with the it's just the that's that's the schedule they run on and sometimes they break down. Yeah, I, I think it.
1: they had, they service uh my understanding is they service newlyweds. Uh they're in uh Horn Lake mm-hmm. and then Valvoli and Hernando's really the only ones that mm-hmm. use that and uh I guess they decide to come um you know, so whenever they want
0: to. And I, I know if you like food and you like <clears throat> oil Yeah. <laughs> You're in trouble. Well, the think, train's gonna keep running. Uh,
1: I think there's also issue with them and I'm not my father in law is going to kill me because I don't know what it's all what it's called. But I think they stack the cars in a in like a waiting area mm-hmm. uh, in Hernando for the newlywed station. So they're picking uh, up cars like an in intermodal Hernando. facility, yeah, kind take, of situation. taking it to. Uh, they call it something. They put them in the. Uh, I think it's called a spur. They put them in the spur there and they take them to. Newlyweds filled them up, yeah. and then they go back south with them.
0: Um, Why is your father-in-law going to be mad about that?
1: He, he works for CN. He's, he's an engineer, oh. so he knows all about that. He's going to kill me because okay. I don't know all the, okay. At, uh, all Illinois, the lingo. Man. Is that Illinois Central? It used to be, yeah. It used now, to be Illinois Central. Now it's Central. called uh, Canadian National. He works out of the Jackson, uh, Jackson Mississippi yard. So
0: Well, thanks for listening, Um the Boardroom Podcast. Thanks for listening. Yeah, absolutely. All of our all of our railroad people, we appreciate yeah. you listening to us and all the hard work you uh, so, you uh, do. But just kind of update on the, on this, this
1: episode. We're going to have uh, uh, here in just a second. We're going to update, uh, or recap the uh, the meeting from last night, the September nineteenth Board of Alder meeting, and then uh, we'll reach out to our guest. And I believe I'm right. The sixty fifth Governor of Mississippi, Tate Rees, is going to be our guest today. I feel like it's
0: a pretty big guest. Yeah, that's oh yeah, a pretty yeah, big guest. Yeah. yeah. The governor, of Mississippi, that essentially the CEO of the, um, the state of, of the entire government uh, for for the state of Mississippi. So
1: yeah, we sit down with him for about what, about 20, 25 minutes, something like that. Yeah, he was uh,
0: really gracious with his time. He's obviously on the campaign trail, yeah. so every minute is.
1: He was, he was up campaigning in Olive Branch, and uh, I think did a luncheon or something in South Haven.
0: Yeah, um, I think at a groundbreaking in uh, Olive Branch, and yeah, ribbon cutting um, or something. You know, he he was uh, kind enough to squeeze our our podcast in. Uh, we interviewed him at Olive Branch City Hall. Um, That's right. In the um, what well, it was, a, it was J-J a, like Nichols, a, there Jay a Nichols. Is yeah, their communications director? Communication. Yeah, Jay's, Jay's mm-hmm. office. So uh, appreciate Jay for letting us do that recording there. So we'll have Tate Reeves on later.
1: We got to put some po- pictures. I think there's some pictures floating around somewhere. We got we to post some of those.
0: Yeah, we've got pictures of us with. With Tate Reeves, as he kind of uh, shared a little bit about his background, um, yeah. also so, some of his accomplishments that he's had as governor of Mississippi as he's running for his second term, facing Democrat Brandon Presley. And, and um, something that the, I didn't November. realize
1: until I was starting to uh, look into him to ask him some questions, he, he's, mm-hmm. he's been in state government since 2000. He got elected first in 2003, so over mm-hmm. over 20 years now, uh, right at 20 years he's been in state government at some some level of it. So. Uh, that's it,
0: something I've, and I think people have noticed that a lot is that there's been this um, kind of slow climb right? right yeah. for uh, for Tate Reeves from yeah. treasurer then to lieutenant, lieutenant, lieutenant governor, governor and now to to governor. So, um, you know, it's one of those weird uh, politics is one of those weird places, um, you so know, so where so you don't next have you, what's next for you. I Right now, I'm just focused on Ward six. And getting man. some streets paved. If that's here, not a politician's about, answer. I've never yeah, heard. Yeah, we're going to be talking about man. some streets getting paved later. shit. Better, better watch out. But, oh my gosh, don't say that. <laughs> don't get kidding. that started. But yeah, the uh, it's <laughs> politics. Is one of those weird places where it's not like um, any other position or any other situation where you know you apply for a job essentially as the CEO of government in Mississippi. Uh, it's not like you were the governor of a smaller state and then they give you the job in a bigger state. You know what I mean? You have to kind of. Um. there's no experience basically there's no the, the experience is every day when you go to work um so it, th- that is the, that is the challenge of any uh any highly elected position like that but yeah you
1: know he's he's the leader of our state you know he lives in the governor's mansion and he's eating and breathing it every day you know trying to make mississippi better is what i think essentially what he says and so i wonder if they um, give you
0: like a is there like a keypad to get in the front door is there some kind of that was a question I wanted to ask him, but I thought he would think I was crazy. Like yeah. I'd be like, "Is there like a special key they give you as the governor to get in the front door of the <laughs> governor's mansion? Uh, Is it like a fingerprint or an eye scan, like a uh, movie?"
1: You know, I I'm not sure he's he's as like the president where he gets dro- driven around all the time, but I bet he don't drive a whole lot.
0: I I, I would still want to drive him. I don't I don't trust other people driving me now. I don't I, even. I've
1: rode with you. Oof, I don't know if we trust you driving. <laughs> Okay. All right. Now, so one, one g- thing I gotta say, my son's going. So, you have a son named Reeves. Yep. I have a son named Reeves. Mm-hmm. We interviewed Tate Reeves. And I understand you named your son after Tate Reeves.
0: That's not accurate. Huh? That's a that's a that's a uh, that's a fable. Oh, it's a, a fairy tale. Okay. All right. That is not true.
1: Let's jump into it, Ben. What do yep. you want to talk about first? I got the agenda. You want to just jump to the streets? I know you don't ever try to stay in order, so. You want to jump into the streets well, first? Well, I
0: go in terms of, like, what people want to hear most. Okay. So okay. that way, if it gets boring, they can, you know, fast forward to Tate Reeves, I guess. But uh, so probably the <laughs> biggest the biggest news is we looked at a list of, uh, of streets that we would like to try to get paved. Um, you know, before the end of the year, uh, there's about 19 streets on here, we're not gonna list them all off because that would be incredibly boring. But there's four of these projects were pretty large size uh, that were taken off um, to to push on to the spring or or maybe next summer, you know, depending on what bids come back at. But um, a lot of neighborhood streets on here, um, we'll have that list published. But another thing that we wanted to point out is just, you know, a great partnership with uh, DeSoto County Schools uh, partnering with the city to get Kirkendall Sports uh, Fitness Park, that parking lot, uh, getting that paved, I'm hoping I'm hoping that we can get it paved, um, you know, in the next 30 days. I don't know if that's possible or not. They're going to try. They're going to try to hurry uh, to get that done because we got the homecoming parade coming up, and that parking lot will be used uh, significantly. But uh, Desoto County Schools appreciate them uh, splitting that cost with us. The cost of paving that parking lot is about twenty-seven thousand, so thirteen-five for each each one. But you know, some of the ones that you may notice here. Um center street, I know right there where Hernando Baptist is getting getting that street paved. That's about forty six thousand. Um, you know, that that's one of the ones that has kind of gotten chewed up over time. Um, you know, for example, that's 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 one of the ones that's on there, but we'll have that entire list posted. <coughs> Excuse me. The and you know, entire paving budget for the city's over three million dollars this year. Three point three. Three point three. Um a portion of that's gonna be used eight
1: hundred
0: mm-hmm. For what?
1: Renaissance Park. Uh, yeah they're gonna uh, we got a grant with the Mich- uh, Mississippi Wildlife and Fisheries mm-hmm. I think Commission or group or whatever they're called. Yep. Um, and we're gonna put some additional trails in there um, and also a some, some paving to get us essentially if, if you're familiar with that park to that ditch. Uh, so that'd be more, you have more, uh, walkability there. You have a little, it'd be easier to drive. There'll be, instead of, you know, driving back there on the gravel, you'll have a paved road now. Uh, and our portion of that's $800,000. I think it's a total, uh, I think, I want to say 3 million, 2.9 million something project. Maybe I can't
0: yeah, remember. Por- so a portion of that, a portion of that paving budget will be used for, uh, matching that grant, yes. um, so to, that leads to get us, a road, to get a road built yeah. further back into Renaissance Park. And Essentially. Think- yeah. Yeah. And we're still calling it uh, Wicker, Wicker Boulevard, right? Uh, you know. Maybe.
1: I always take the position we gotta, that you shouldn't name things after somebody who's still
2: alive. You wait, <laughs> you wait till
0: they wait till they pass yeah, away before you name stuff after them. It's a good policy. But, it's a good policy. Uh,
1: so, just seriously, so we, we have about two and a half million dollars to to kind of use on some discretionary paving, and I think essentially what the mayor did was each alderman kind of submitted a list, and it seems like most of what everybody submitted is getting done. Um, so we still have this this list that we were presented last night. Um, <laughs> Is only about a, a 1.4 mm-hmm. uh, million dollar uh, worth of work, and so that we still have over a million dollars worth of work that we're going to do. I know none. My list is not included in this. Uh, the biggest thing on my list, just so to let my constituents know, we're going to try to get Terra Drive done. Uh, um, mm-hmm. So that, that that's I don't think that's ever been paid since since that subdivision's been been built there. So there's some pretty rough spots. There. We're going to try to get that done. Is probably the biggest one, but there are some other smaller ones that. Um, once we get the full list, we will we will post on our website. I'm sure the city will put it out as well. So,
0: and one of the biggest things you can look at here, you know, when we talk about some of these 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 bigger items that are on here, Memphis Street, for example, from Highway 51 to the Laurelwood subdivision, two hundred ninety thousand dollars. That's basically a mile of roadway. Um, that, you that's, know, needed it, you know, that's needed badly. It's needed badly. There's commercial frontage there. There's neighborhoods. It's it's just something that that needs to be done. Um, and it, it, you know, honestly, the road was probably a little chewed up as um, you know neighborhoods have been developed back in there, um, and just and, needs and to you be. know we've
1: we, and we've and I'm not trying to throw other other you know previous boards under the on the bus or whatever they they did the best no. they could, but uh, for several years there uh, there was just simply no paving done in our city, so we're really playing catch up, and uh, that's why we're investing so much. This is record amount of money every year we've put into paving, so. Um, Keep, keep getting there and, and hopefully we get to a point where we can start maintaining what we have instead of just catching up to what needs to be done.
0: And you'll see on, you know, so when you're looking at this list, if you're listening to us, look at the list on uh, on, on social media or whatever. Hillshire Drive, for example, in, in Notting Hill is about 1,400, 1400 feet, $70,000. And then Fairway Oaks Cove is 1,500 square feet at $75,000. So a difference of 100 feet is 5000 dollars in in terms of milling and paving um, that so hopefully if people can understand that um, you know it is it's very expensive um, to get this stuff done um, the cost of paving is not you know has not gone down um, you know oil and gas prices are still high uh, and th- this is what it is but it's important for people to note when you're looking at this list uh, number one number two number four and number seven if you're looking at this list those will be uh in the next calendar year so in 2024 uh within this budget year but in the next calendar year the rest of them we're trying to bid uh together to get the best asphalt price possible and to try to get them moving forward as quickly as possible so 15 of these 19 roads uh we'll tr- we'll try to get those uh paved and taken care of here in the next uh next couple months
1: and and, and ben some people may may wonder why we were so uh, adamant about getting a a. Con- uh, rainy day fund or contingency fund built up and the reason why is now we're able to do some of these paving projects in the, in the fall mm-hmm. before the pants the the, 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 the um, excuse me the uh, uh, plants close um, mm-hmm. uh, because we have the money in the bank to do it uh, in prior years because the way the, the the money fell they didn't start getting their tax money until uh, January so they would sometimes have to borrow money from the water fund or whatever to, to kind of make the payroll till. Uh, January, February, and, and now since we have a million dollars in our in our surplus account, <clears throat> we're able to get these done, and, and so we'll probably be able to f- uh, complete a lot of work this year, just simply because of that, you know, being being a g- uh, um, good with the taxes, the tax dollars.
0: All right, so that's I, I think that's enough on street paving. I think everybody's probably good on street paving now. But Reedy, Reedy Drive what else do you? we have? Reedy Drive is not on the list. Oh, okay. Didn't make it. Doc mentioned it as uh, one that we need to get paved. So, um, I think that Joe Frank was getting him an update on that one. But what else did we? What else did we talk about? We talked about the YMCA a little bit.
1: Yeah, I'll, um, I'll be happy to talk about that. Sure. Um, so, um, yeah, one thing we did the first. Oh, first we got to give a shout out to uh, to Sam Sam Trotter and, and Fletcher uh, Short, uh, the gentleman from uh, yeah. two, two gentlemen from Hernando Elementary that uh, came over and, mm-hmm. and did the Pledge of Allegiance. Awesome
0: and, job, guys! So
1: did a great job uh, on that. But uh, in the consent agenda, there was one item about uh, forgiving some permit fees uh, associated with the new YMCA. So the people that don't know, um, what's we'll that? The development up there in, south, uh, uh, in your area there? Delta Landing. Uh, across from the old, uh, the new high school building, uh, they have donated some land to the YMCA to to build a YMCA. Now my understanding, of the YMCA is trying to raise money to to fund that, and it, there's no immediate plans to build it. But um, uh, there has been a pledge by the Maddox Foundation to uh, match up to seven and a half million dollars uh, at some point. So I, I think at some point, I think it's safe to say Hernandez will get a YMCA at that location. And and what they want to do is kind of a quid pro pro quo, and that's why I kind of wanted to talk about it a little more is that the Maddox Foundation later on the agenda is um, essentially going to uh, fix Conquer Park for us for no car- no charge uh, in exchange if we forgive the uh, fees here, uh, for the YMCA. And I just wanted to, you know, I took that out and, and, and tabled it and, and asked the attorney to take a look at that and make sure that we're on the up mm-hmm. and up and legal. Not that I'm against the YMCA or, or against the Maddox Foundation. I just felt like right. we need to make sure everything's you know, on square. And we're doing everything uh, to the letter of the law and not get ourselves in any trouble. So,
0: and the, you know, the, the city in my opinion, well, I would say that, um, Everybody within the board has different levels of involvement with the YMCA and their fundraising efforts and everything else. There are, you know, some aldermen who have had no, <laughs> who have had no interaction at are all. About, are you pointing the finger at me? No, 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 no. I'm just saying that everybody has different levels of involvement with it. Um, you know, so there's there's folks who said the, the city's really pushing hard for a YMCA. Well, there's that's partially true. There's some people that. Um, that would like that and then there's other people who are you know just kind of letting market forces do what they need to do I'm, I'm more on that side of you know look if you if you are capable of raising 13 14 million dollars and you have a capital campaign that does that then if you want to spend that money in Hernando that's fantastic you know just like it just like it would with any church or any other um, nonprofit organization if you're able to raise the money and you're able to purchase the land or get the land donated then you know by all means as America you know build it make it happen uh, but the government being involved necessarily with recruiting or, um, trying to bring in a certain organization is not, you know, you know, to me, it's not really necessarily a function of government. Um, uh, I, I
1: mean, what I've said is I kind of have issue with, with public funds going to a private business. I know they're a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the city of Memphis donated money to them when they built, uh, uh, the YMCA and, um, uh, a uh, White Haven there, but Ala Branch didn't give any money to that they're theirs when they mm-hmm. were when they built there. I know they've approached the county, the school district, and I think the city of Hernando, and they've all uh, come back empty-handed. So um, I think they're working with state, maybe try to get some money from the state. But I, well, I just, well
0: in, in my opinion, is a complete waiver of all of the fees. Well,
1: um, and another issue, really, another it's, it's issue something too, ben, where is we don't know what the fees are because we, we haven't seen the right. final plans. I mean, it could and be, the, and the
0: fees could change over time right. because the the fee schedule can change uh, based on you know the, the rate of labor and some of these other things. But that that that's one of my uh, things that I had a question about, and I asked our uh, planning director to get together for me is how many labor hours uh, are people going to accumulate in the in the course of like doing the site inspection or whatever else is done because. You certainly want to get reimbursed for that, um, at the very least. So there's still some questions there. Um, certainly, we have uh, to talk with our attorney a, yeah, first. Absolutely, that's, that's no the rush. No rush. I just want to make no. sure it's
1: legal to do that. And if it is, then we'll start talking about some of. The, I think some of the other should do we forgive the whole amount? Do we forgive? Mm-hmm. You know, just so the city doesn't lose any money or, or whatever that is.
0: Um, mm-hmm.
1: And I think they're. You know, I think the Maddox Foundation is open to work with the city. They've yeah, been great absolutely. to work with in the past on several projects. And also, while I'm thinking about it, I believe. September 30th, they have the uh, uh, Noah's Gift 5K. Noah Gift 5K, yeah. which is a great uh, – I've, I've done that event in the past. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be out of town, so I'm not going to do this – do it. Uh, we're going camping, so I'm not going to be in town uh, that morning.
0: Could like, virtually run. That's always what I do. I, I ran five miles a day, Ben. Already? Yeah. Good for you. And Good for you.
1: And while I'm thinking about it, while I'm thinking about this guy went to the gym with me for two weeks and I hadn't been seeing him since. <laughs> Are you waiting for the YMCA to get built? Is that what you're waiting on? <laughs>
0: I won. I think it was more than two weeks. I think anybody that goes to the gym will attest to that. Um, two, um, you know, got to get back in there. Okay. Got to get All back you. in there. Good this afternoon. I'm going to have to go a different time of day, though.
2: Okay.
0: I, 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 read, I saw this thing this morning that if you're trying to lose weight, you need to work out between 7 a.m. and 9 a.m. So that's okay. when I'm going I'm to try to get in there, drop the All kids right. off and go, you know, throw some weight around, you know, do, some, do a little walking. I'm not not a runner. I will ne- I'm I'm done with running. If you see me running, <laughs> run with me because there's something bad ah. happening behind me. All
1: right, so let's jump into the next thing I think really of, of mm-hmm. importance to talk about is we declared October 2023 as Down Syndrome Awareness Month. That's always a cool thing. Yeah, that's a great thing. A cool thing. I think a lot of people do the uh, – I think it's the blue lights or whatever, I think, uh, on the porch or whatever. Uh, that I, think October? That one,
0: I think that's for autism. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I, I don't know, though. It's – I feel like every month I, I there's a... I can't
1: remember. I'm sorry if I, if I misspoke there. I thought, of, I thought that was the same deal.
0: I, I can't remember. I, honestly, I'm not 100% sure on it. We might need to Google that one. We need a researcher.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Need to hire some more people. <laughs> Making too much money to <laughs> hire more people. <laughs> you
0: know, we, we had a guy in here earlier. In the, yeah, he ran yeah. off. He was t- it was time to go to work. He ran off. I guess so. Uh,
1: we approved uh, the final payment for the... Uh, the... Uh, the renovation at uh, fire station one is just so people know the plan there is to uh, station the third ambulance there um and so that that is ready for the third ambulance that we're going to purchase this year um and so hopefully we'll get all that up and running in the next mm-hmm. probably probably next nine to a year we'll have yeah the ambulance 12 months yeah we'll have the ambulance there um we already talked about the, dish, the deal from the maddox foundation do you want to talk about the two planning things we discussed i think they were pretty pretty straightforward builds
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they're just final plat approvals to kind of yeah. to get those, you know, another phase of Winningham Estates moving forward, and another phase of Jefferson Estates, you know, moving forward there, and, um, you know that Winningham neighborhood's coming along, and um, there's been some drainage concerns there that that uh, the city has had to, you know, rectify and whatnot, and the the developer, uh, I guess it's Legacy Homes, has been dealing with that, and they've been good to, you know, to work with there, um, and have, you know, been Uh, Willing to do what the city asks, so Uh, Jefferson State, same thing. Yeah.
1: Um, Anything else? Uh, Oh, uh, have we ever talked about Hernando West's special tax assessment on here? Yeah, we've
0: we've touched on it some, Um, but yeah, that's the uh, essentially the city took out the prior board took out a what's uh, called a cap loan. Yeah. Right. A cap loan was uh, meant to pay for the sewer uh, to be extended to Hernando West for development. Um, and then a special assessment tax is going to be levied against all of the lots within Hernando West to repay the loan. Uh, and that is the that's that's the bare bones of it. So, yeah, so the, people the, understand the pro, yeah, that the, as the, the properties yeah. are sold, they're assessed for a special tax just in that area. Uh, to repay a loan, to have sewer extended to all those homes, commercial businesses, everything else is planned for Hernando yeah, West. I think there's
1: two or three different sections that are sitting on, just ready to go. Um, I think it's just waiting on financing. But um, so essentially, the property owner will pay, you know, the, pay that money back to. I think we got that through the state. We brought money through a state program, mm-hmm. so they would pay money back to the state uh, by, by via their their tax bill. Mm-hmm. And so, whoever owns that property, I think right now, Mister <clears throat> Mister Brown, Bill Brown, owns that property. Right, um, and so he essentially he, his taxes bill went up last night when we approved the uh, the final deal. And so, as he as like you said, as he develops in and plats that and rezones that property, the, the landowner then will pay
0: a little more on their property tax until that until that bill's paid off. Well, basically, there's a there's a public hearing to finalize yes uh, his tax bill, and, uh, and and all the details with right. it. Um the the you know the horses out of the barn. Yeah. He, he's <laughs> that the
1: only point, one on the property already, right now, so there's right. nobody else to hear him but him. Right. So, there's no, right. <laughs> so it was it was
0: already a, it was already something that it was just finalized more or less. Yeah, but yeah. So
1: and he, he put up a, I think he put up a year's worth of the payment and all several mm-hmm, different things mm-hmm. he mentioned.
0: So um,
1: so we're good to go on that. Uh, really, uh, we can talk about the Macaville sidewalk just a little bit. There there eventually mm-hmm. will be a sidewalk from Walgreens to uh, just south of the I guess that south entrance of the school.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, Hernando okay. High
1: School, so just past the Magnolia Apartments. So the, you know, whatever, the kids can walk, I guess, walk to Mackinville, or, or walk to walk Walgreens. To and Commerce. And,
0: and, yeah. yeah. You
1: know, at some point, I don't know if it's the school is responsible or the city or whatever, we need to put a, if we're going to do that, we need to put sidewalk on, the, you know, from the other side up to Dilworth. Um, mm-hmm. And then I believe is compelled church putting some sidewalk up to, mm-hmm. to Dilworth on the other side.
0: They are on, uh, like the middle school side of Dilworth. There is some sidewalk going in there as part of the, uh, the subdivision regulations, um, that's required. There's still five acres of land at, uh, and Dilworth that has not been sold or developed, um, that would, that would complete that sidewalk from where compels property ends to, uh, So, um, that's why there's just like a sidewalk just Mm kind of in the middle of nowhere right there. Sure.
1: All right. Um, I think that's about it, Ben. You got anything? How's soccer season? Yeah, Soccer done? season's
0: going good. We're, uh, we got three games left in uh, 12U and two games left in 6U, so we're we're staying busy with that. Um,
1: Some, someone said there's a video floating around of a cartwheel or something, something.
0: Yeah, so I did a uh, – I, I kind of, you know, made a wager. Where, I call uh, it a half
1: wheel. What I saw was not a full cartwheel. You yeah,
0: can't. it was more of like a round-off, um, if you're familiar <laughs> with that. Um, and I'm round. And I'm a little off, so round off, it makes sense. But, yeah, the um my t- my team, I, I told them I, they weren't really being very aggressive. They weren't really, you know, scoring a lot of goals. We were scoring right, one goal, two right. goals, whatever, playing really good defensive soccer, whatever else. And I said, listen, now we've got to get more aggressive girls. we got to start scoring some goals here. And I was like, listen, if y'all win by three goals or more, I'll do a cartwheel after the game. And they yeah, thought they that was points. hilarious, right? Next thing you know, they're just pouring it in. Um you know, team won five to two, and, uh you know, we made it happen, so. Five to two, man, strong. strong. They, they, play, they played really well. And the other team, you know, we have a really, really balanced uh league and 12-U girls. There are a lot yeah. of really talented girls in there, and, you know, I'm sure some of them are going to head on to competitive or, you know, playing middle school or high school or whatever uh, else.
1: Miss Jeffries, <laughs> does she have a team there? mm Okay, she so no, her kids
0: I, are a little older now. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I get to avoid playing playing her. She's a, she's a <laughs> soccer mastermind. I don't. I'm, <laughs> she it would. She'd be on the other foot there. She'd be the one doing the cartwheels after yeah. the game. For the, she was coaching against me. <laughs> no doubt about that. Uh-huh. She's she's a good one. But
1: um, we got the uh, you got the baseball starting. Baseball start. We had our first game Monday, and we didn't. We didn't show up. We're still. We still get a little rust. We gotta get the rust off. Um, we, we, uh, we're playing, you know, we're playing six you this year. So it's basically three strikes and you're out. And I, mm-hmm. I'm the pitcher and I had a pretty low ERA, uh, <laughs> had Greg, a lot of strikeouts. Yeah. Like
0: Greg Maddox. Yeah, we, you
1: know, anytime you play five innings and six shoes, a lot of people getting out. Yeah.
0: So, well, so. we also had, uh. Hernando High School won its second football game yes, uh, this yes, fall. Yes. They blanked Pihelia, 52-0, oh, just a huge I, win. I got to, I was on my, own stop, my old stopping grounds out
1: there running on the field with the Haifa kids, <laughs> man, bringing back some memories. <laughs> you had the, Give uh, me some shoulder pads. There
0: you go. They had some of the um, – I think they had some of the freshmen come in later in the game and, yeah. and uh, complete some passes and get some touchdowns in there. So, um, you know, Coach McCann, congrats on win number two. They got yeah. Center Hill mm-hmm. coming up, um, and they get into district play. So – uh, a lot going on with Hernando and, Sports right now.
1: Do we want to talk about the Jumbotron project at all? Is that top secret or
0: man? I you know it's still really early. It's no, still gotcha. it's still a lot of discussion going on there um, with the new with the new high school, the new football field, um, kind of what that stadium's going to look like, what kind of amenities it's going to have. Um, so a lot of discussion still going on there, but. Um, you know, the uh, volleyball team is uh, continuing to do well. I think they, uh, they beat Oxford great. last night, right? Boom. I, I, I have to believe that's right. Um, yep. You know, just clicking right along there. And, um, Soccer's
1: starting up. We played in a soccer tournament the mm-hmm, other day.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, uh, that's a right. A golf
1: tournament, a little fundraiser for them. So, um,
0: and basketball's right around the corner. So, folks, it's, it's it's that that time of year. It starts getting a little crisp in the morning. Uh, you know, get, get your uh, – Get your uh, pullovers out and be ready to go. But that was perfect running weather
1: right now, man. to I get out there and run in the mornings.
0: Uh, I'm gonna walk. I'm gonna walk. <laughs> That's
1: all I'm doing. Well, we'll uh, uh, we'll end it there, and we'll get ready for our guest, uh, the 65th Governor of Mississippi, uh, Tate Reeves.
0: And we're now joined here on the Boardroom Podcast with Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves. Really an honor, you know. Think about it. This uh, our podcast is still fairly new. We're just we're in our second season here, and we have the the CEO of the state joining us here, Chad. It's pretty pretty uh pretty awesome. But uh, Governor Reeves has has served the uh, the state for nearly twenty years. uh, Was elected as a, a state treasurer. Uh, Lieutenant Governor for two terms, uh, Treasurer for two terms, and is now running for his second term uh, as Governor here in the state as a, as a Republican, of course. Uh, everyone knows that, but uh, Governor Reese, thank you for joining us here today. Well, what a pleasure it is for me to be on. Absolutely. So, you know, of course, we've, we've talked about the, uh, the the public service and the, and the offices that you've held, uh, but one thing I bet people won't know, you and Chad share something in common. you are both uh, athletes from back <laughs> in the <laughs> day. So, so, and then we played a little basketball back in the day, right?
2: Well, my college basketball coach was John Stroud from up here in North Mississippi. Was a old Miss great, obviously. Right. Uh, he would probably argue that I wasn't even an athlete back then, <laughs> but I will tell you, I'm definitely not an athlete right this moment, um, having been on the campaign trail for the last four or five months full time. Uh, it's kept me busy. But, look, I, I love sports. I think um, I, I'll never forget during the pandemic, I was the first governor to say that uh, I don't know about everywhere else, but we're going to play college football in Mississippi and because um, I think sports are important. I think they're sport important in young people's lives. I think they're important in collegiate uh, kids' lives because um, it gives you a, a purpose and, and something to focus on. And a recognition that in life everybody doesn't get a – competition trophy or participation trophy right. there are winners and losers and the winners are usually are the ones that work the hardest um, and the ones who are not as successful the ones who don't and so i think the lessons learned uh, of teamwork etc are very important but yeah it's my athletic days are, are way behind me <laughs> <laughs> well tell us a little bit more about you know your your background what what
0: led you to um decide for you know hey i'm it's time to run for treasure
2: it's time to you know eventually work your way up to being you know, the, the top elected official in the state? Well, I'll be honest, I, I never had any idea that I would uh, run for anything but, but treasure that first time. I was a fairly young guy. Uh, my background was in economics and finance. I was in the investing business, managing money um, for uh, folks. And and really uh, at that time, if you go back to 2003, Haley Barber was running for governor against the incumbent, Ronnie Musgrove. And the treasurer nominee for the Democrats uh, was a guy named Gary Anderson. And Gary was uh, then Governor Musgrove's uh, head of the Department of Finance Administration and had a certainly a background where he should um, have been capable of, of doing the job. But Mississippi was in the f- worst financial shape we'd ever been in. We had a budget hole of 720 million dollars and that was on a 3.6 billion dollar budget you guys are in um Oof. in city government you understand just whatever the size of your budget is just think being in a twenty percent or twenty five percent shortfall and that's where mississippi was and so i saw that um Haley was running i never met him when i qualified to run but i knew that he probably needed a a, a wingman that that, right. that was a conservative first of all a fiscal conservative but also that understood, hey, here's if we set towards a path, we can't fix this overnight. But if we set towards a path to fiscal sustainability, that's what will be best for our constituents. That's what will make Mississippi thrive. And it's kind of fun to look back and think about those times because I was really singularly focused. But as I think about where we are today, the best financial shape we've ever been in, that's right. the best fiscal shape we've ever been in, um, it, it shows that conservative leadership works, and, and I think that's uh, something that I'm, I'm really proud of is that um, we were able to not only uh, bring a wherewithal and a, uh, a know-how, but also able to convince other um, elected leaders across the state that this was really important. And because of that, that's why we are able to do some of the investments in infrastructure and education that we're able to do now.
1: Talk talking about education. I think you're a product of Florence Public Schools. Is that correct? And um, you know, the third grade reading gate was a uh, reading gate was a huge thing. And you want to talk a little about your achievements in uh, education uh, over the last you know term, and even when you're lieutenant governor.
2: Well, I will tell you, it's it's it is the greatest accomplishment in um, the last 25 years in Mississippi. And you could argue from a public policy standpoint. I would argue that the the greatest accomplishment in the conservative movement in America has been the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Yes. Um, and the protections of life but the greatest um, policy accomplishment and just absolute movement has been what's happened in public education in Mississippi. I'm a graduate of Florence High School, uh, go Eagles. But, you know, (laughs) I had heard for, (laughs) I had heard my whole life that Mississippi was last in education. Mississippi's 50th in education. And I never believed it because I got such a good education there in South Rankin County schools, much like DeSoto. We had great teachers, we had but but there were certainly, when the other side was in charge, there were statistics that one could look at and say, okay, well, maybe we are last. Well, what I'll tell you today is that Mississippi is last no more. In fact, if you look at fourth grade reading, and by the way, this is all because of conservative policy that we've enacted. And again, yet another uh, data point that conservative policy works and um, and so we we enacted uh, a legislative reform package when I was Lieutenant Governor in two thousand and twelve and two thousand and thirteen. And the end result is that ten years ago, Mississippi's high school graduation rate was seventy two and a half percent. Last year it was eighty eight point nine percent. That means there are three to four thousand kids yeah. every single year in Mississippi that are getting a high school degree that ten years ago would not have. Our fourth grade reading results, ten years ago, we were 49th in the nation. Last year we were twenty first wow. in the nation.
1: Fourth. I think you call that
2: the Mississippi Miracle? right? The, well, I, that was a, what the New York Times <laughs> called right. it. I, I was reading the New York Times and they called it the Mississippi Miracle. And I, I, I joked that I, I damn near choked on my catfish. I mean, literally. Um, you know, for, forgive me for saying that, but it's true. I was like, oh my goodness. Um, but then so that's fourth grade reading, fourth grade math. We were able to, um, we went from 50th 10 years ago to 23rd in the nation. And the the wonderful thing about these improvements is they are not limited to some kids in some schools. So while the kids in our better schools are doing better, all of our kids are doing better. You look at African-American students, for example. Ten years ago, African-American students in Mississippi, when compared to their peers in the other 49 states, scored 45th best in fourth-grade reading. Last year, they were fifth best in America. Wow. These these results truly are miraculous, and it's going to set up a whole generation of kids for a totally different set of opportunities in the future, and I'm pretty daggum proud of it, and I, I hope everyone else is too because I think success begets success. That's right.
1: Well, and one thing Ben and I have talked about is the, the Republicans have only been in charge of the legislature for about, about a decade now, 10 years, and look what we've been able to accomplish. And just think 20 years from now, 30 years from now, as we continue to have conservative leadership in the legislature.
2: Well, since Reconstruction to, again, literally, like you said, to January of 2012, um, the other side had uh, the levers of power in state government, and the last 10 years, we have made tremendous progress. And, and look, I'll be the first to admit, we, we hadn't fixed everything. Sure. Um, I've told people uh, along the campaign trail that, look, we've made a lot of progress in a lot of areas, but we got more work to do, and, and that's exactly um, the, the way I approach it. And, and we get up every day focused on doing that, and, and we'll continue to do so. And so we, we have talented, smart uh, kids that are they're going
0: through the public education system here in Mississippi and the private education system as well. Uh, we, we talked to Auditor Shad White about, you know, the brain drain report and then some of those things as well with, with talent leaving the state. But I feel like uh, one thing that that has been very positive is economic development uh, here in the state of Mississippi, especially, I mean, I feel like you're up here, you know, once a quarter for a for a groundbreaking for a huge, uh, you know, a company that's either locating here or expanding here or something like that. So uh, as far as economic development goes, you have these, uh, you know, these powerhouses we, we, you know, in Mississippi, we, of course, we consider DeSoto County to be one of those
2: no doubt DeSoto County is a leader in economic growth in the state of Mississippi it's a leader in economic development in the state of Mississippi and we have had some real success if you go back to the 10 years before I became governor Mississippi averaged about 900 million a year in new capital expenditures We announced over six billion dollars in new projects in 2022 alone. Wow. We're going to have a great 2023 as well. And so, um, but what I tell everyone is um, we've we've really focused on it in my administration, and I'm proud of our team. But at the end of the day, it's 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 a joint effort between cities and counties and the state. But more importantly, it's it's all about our people because what we showed during the pandemic is that our people showed up to work, and they showed out. And we kept our state open for business. And there were CEOs all around the country and all around the globe that said, hey, I'd like someone like those folks from Mississippi working for me. And so we're getting a lot of opportunities because of that. And um, and, and we do have great places uh, like right here in, in DeSoto County to, to not only invest capital, not only create jobs, but actually raise a family and great schools where kids can go. And we've got some pockets uh, of that, you know, you, you talk about the brain drain. It's cer- certainly something we have to continue to, to battle. I, I would submit to you, it's, it's, uh, it, it's not as, it, it's, uh, it's like everything else in government. You know, when, from the outside looking in, it seems pretty simple, right? Just snap your fingers and fix it. Um, but the brain drain is complicated. It's real. It does happen, um, and it really happens with a lot of our talented young people who want to live in metropolitan areas, and so. Um, I, I tell everyone, you know, um, the kids that are graduating from our colleges and moving out of state, they're not going to rural Kentucky yeah. or rural Tennessee. Yeah. They're going to Nashville, Dallas, Dallas Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about that, I think, and the way I describe it is a lot of them do not want to ride a car to work. They want to ride an elevator to yeah, work. Right. And, uh, and they want to be able to do what they want to do at night and walk and walk back to their downtown place. And so we've got to do a better job of working towards that. Um, some of our uh, communities is one of the things I, I love to see in, in DeSoto County, whether it's uh, in, in Hernando or Olive Branch or South Haven, but the developments that are redeveloping downtown areas, yes. I think, are going to help. Uh, it's not unique to here. I mean, you can go to Corinth, you can go to New Albany, uh, you can go to certainly um, Meridian and Vicksburg and Central Mississippi, Brookhaven, and, has, and of course, all the college towns—Oxford, Starkville, and, and yep. Hattiesburg have a, a a vibrant redevelopment. One of our challenges is that um, we, we've got work to do in the city of Jackson. It it should be the the one area that is competing with the larger municipalities, and and it's the reason that I've been a proponent of making sure that we invest in um, state law enforcement there in the city because capital police capital police is a uh, it's hugely important because we've got to make sure that we protect. The investments that we already have, but I say all that to say we've got more work to do. But I also want everyone to understand that, you know, the the 2020 census came out, and the census basically said that Mississippi's population from 2010 to 2020 was flat, and then they about 120 days later came out and said, here's our corrected report. And in the corrected report, they said that Mississippi was the third most undercounted state yes. in the nation and that we really grew by 4.37 percent in population. So we really saw about 125,000 new people yeah. uh, grow into the state. Now, we've had huge population movements. You know, there's there's been a whole lot of people, and I'm sure you know some of them, that lived in the North Delta, maybe that live in DeSoto County now, or they live in Oxford now. There's been a whole lot of people in the South Delta that maybe live in Madison or Mm -hmm. live in Rankin County now. Um, So there's been some population movement, but we have seen population growth. And I will tell you with all of these new businesses coming into, uh, to this area, um, the people are going to follow because people follow good jobs, people who want to work. And those are the kind of people you want in your state, the people who want to work and want to have a good job and have good skills. They're going to find those jobs, and and um, and and that's good, because we find ourselves in a spot now, as you all know, that for the fifth consecutive month in July, we had the lowest unemployment rate yeah. in state history, and um, and that's again, it's a it's a credit to um, our job creators, and it's a credit to the economy here in our state.
1: Can we transition to infrastructure for just a second? I know, I think back in February you announced a 125 million dollar plan for I-55. Could you talk about your commitment to improving the infrastructure in, in DeSoto County? And to, that's a thing that's very popular with our listeners. So, <laughs> if, if you can imagine why. So.
2: I, I I am a hundred percent supportive of the widening of I-55 to six lanes all the way to Hernando. And quite frankly, I'm for eventually seeing it widened all the way. To Batesville, sure. because I really do believe with the outward growth that's happening in Oxford, the outward growth that's happening in Batesville. I was at Northwest Community College for the football game yeah, last night. Yeah. The outward growth that's happening in Senatobia. I really think you're probably going. If we do this right, that we're going to see the kind of um, capital investment up and down I-55, new advanced manufacturers, because um, we got great places to live. We got great people. To fill those jobs and we just got to keep up with the infrastructure we've got a history and and certainly the project that that I proposed um you know it would have been nice if it had it been done five years ago That's or ten right. years ago sure. and should have been and so we don't need to wait until we absolutely are behind the eight ball we need to start investing in that infrastructure now I proposed that we got um a, a significant allocation from the legislature to do it sure. and um but again I, I we got to keep pushing yeah. and keep pushing because um, the, I, believe,
1: I believe we got $25 million this year, I think, to start getting right of and do the engineering. And hopefully we can keep, you know, obviously you're committed to it. So I think the lieutenant governor, when he was here, he said he's committed to it. So just let's,
0: let's get it done. <laughs> I, I
2: am a 1,000 percent yes. committed to it and because it's the right thing to do um, because we do need – because, look, here's the reality. Um, you look at – I mean, DeSoto County is an absolute gem, but we're seeing significant capital investments in Marshall County. And in mm-hmm. Tate County and Marshall County, a big part of that is because I-269 is open. Mm-hmm. And so you got people who live in Hernando and they can be in a job in, in North Marshall County yes. in a very short period of time. And so it's um uh, that infrastructure is critical. Um, there's a, there's other infrastructure projects that we we want to continue to work on, but certainly the widening of I-55 to South of the Hernando exit uh, is, is a critical, critical piece of that. So when
0: when you take you, you wake up every morning a day in the life of the governor not necessarily on campaign trail right like what is what is it like like because you're waking up in the governor's mainstream right? I mean is that where y'all are at all the time like is there any is there any I mean what what is that like exactly for for folks that
2: well, it, it's it's somewhat surreal, but, you know, like, like everyone else, I wake up and um, either my 11-year-old or my 16-year-old or my 18-year-old before she went to college was having a bad day, and so uh, right. so we, we deal you, with you that. Got, you got
1: all girls? <laughs> I've got all girls,
2: oh, okay. uh, three daughters, and, um, uh, and so we deal with that. But, look, the, the interesting thing about being governor is there is no two days that are alike, and every day something pops up that you did not expect, and... You have to deal with it, and yeah. it's it's something that I enjoy about the job. But you know, a lot of days I travel. We we did sell our residence in Rankin County and move into the the governor's residence, and um, and you know, it's it's like anything else in life. It has pluses and it has minuses because the governor's residence is really a, an apartment on the third floor of the governor's mansion, sure. and the governor's mansion is a museum where that has open to public tours. Um, it is also an office building. I have employees of the Department of Finance and Administration, the Department of Archives and History, the Mississippi Bureau of Investigation, the Department of Public Safety, oh, okay. um, all have offices in the, in the governor's mansion, um, and, which is all good and fine. It's just a little bit different to have that many yeah. people in the same place that you live. And, um, but we're, we've been blessed. We've got a great team and a great team that, that's really dedicated to what's important. And what's important is just making Mississippi better every that's day. Right. And so every day I get up and try to make Mississippi better. And and some days that means I get up and I head to DeSoto County. Some days I get up and head <laughs> south to the coast. Oh, there's the worst place you could be. You no, know, there are a lot worse <laughs> places, you know. <laughs> I, I like to say I like to say that um, you know, everybody's gotta be somewhere. That's and if you right. gotta be somewhere, this ain't a bad place to be. Yeah. Um, and so it's the, we, we got a lot of good things happening up here economically, and, and the population growth here is just yeah. unreal.
1: I have a question. So, Ben and I both have young families, and, and you obviously have been um, in state government for 20 years or whatever, and you've raised your family in kind of that limelight. How have you managed getting to the soccer games and getting to the basketball games and handling, you know, growing your, your three girls up during that? And we're, we're not nearly in, in the limelight like you are, but it's, it's hard for us to get to board meetings and things, so it's gotta be difficult at your level.
2: I spoke to a group an hour ago, and the question was asked. Similar question was asked, and here was my response: I, said, I may get in trouble over this, but I'm just going <laughs> to tell you the truth. All right. I do two things in life: I work and I watch my kids play sports. That's right. But not necessarily in that order. And <laughs> gotcha. so I'll be honest with you: I schedule around it, and and I, I um uh, when the, as soon as the schedule comes out, I put it on my calendar. And I, I mean, I, I miss some, but I don't miss many. Yeah. If, if they're playing ball, I'm going to do everything I can. I'm uh, uh, Ely and I have always had at least two playing at the same time, and so we we often, like everyone else, divide and conquer. Yeah. So I don't see every game that every kid plays, but just uh, today's a prime example. My daughter's playing high school soccer, and they played Germantown High School today. And um, I'll be, uh, I started in Tupelo this morning, and uh, I'll be in DeSoto County all day, but I'm gonna sneak across the state line and watch that game at 4:30, and then we'll come back to a football game yeah, tonight. Yeah, so, but it's just you plan around it, That's and right. you have to prioritize. And for me, um, my dad started his small business in the early 1970s, and when I was growing up playing ball, um, he he worked all the time, and he still works all the time. But uh, if I was playing ball, he showed up, yeah. and I just I think that means a lot, and and I think it means a lot to the uh, to your. Uh, particularly with daughters, your your yeah. daddy-daughter now, one relationship. One of the daughters
1: a pretty good soccer player, I believe. I, I follow uh, you on Facebook. Yeah. I think she's a USA team or something um,
2: like my, that. my middle daughter is a is a very good soccer player. My youngest daughter played basketball, and she uh, they won a state championship. My middle daughter plays soccer, and Ooh. then I tell everybody, my 11-year-old is just B.A.D. bad. you got to watch the youngest the, one. the youngest one, and she's got five or six years in between. And she was, by the way, a second grader. Um, during 2020 and the pandemic, gotcha, then not gotcha. exactly a perfect time. So, but look, great kids, we're we're, we're great, great kids, and um, I'm I'm proud of them, and I, I do everything I can to show up every chance I get. I always ask this question, and uh, people may think it's a weird question, but
0: has there been a moment where you know, with all the with the offices that you've held, with everything else, that you are kind of it's almost like an out of body experience? Like I cannot believe I'm in this moment in this time or just one of those kind of cool moments where, um, you know, there's only 65 people that have ever experienced what I'm experiencing right now as, as the governor or whatever else. Is there any kind of story like that?
2: Well, uh, look, the the victories are the victories are sweet. Um, we've had many legislative victories of the last, um, really last 12 years that, have, that, that I really do think are going to have a huge difference for the future of our state. The, the educational reforms you know, it's funny, everybody now talks about how everybody was for every one of those bills that we passed. That's not exactly the way I remember it. Um, <laughs> there were some on the other side of the aisle that were that fought us pretty hard. But for me, it is the I, I truly believe that success begets success. And to see our kids go from 49th to 21st or from 50th to 23rd, it just gets me so excited about what we're going to do next. You know, where are we going to go next? Because to me, 50th wasn't good enough 10 years ago, and 23rd isn't good enough now. Yeah. And so let's keep driving to do even better. And and honestly, um, to see the teamwork, um, you know, campaigns are tough, and we're obviously in the middle of an election year. And um, and the one thing that politicians get to do is, is in election years um, tell things that maybe aren't exactly the truth. And we have no shortage of that in the governor's race this year. But that's okay. And, you know, I, I have – the utmost confidence in the people of this state, that they know that uh, what our record is, and and they know that Mississippi has momentum, and that this is Mississippi's time, and it's it's for us to take advantage of it, and and so to a certain extent, the answer to your question is every morning kind of a surreal experience because who knows what's going to happen that day, and who knows what's going to pop up, you know, just just natural disasters, for instance. Mm-hmm. I, I thought because as you know, I, I thought when I ran in twenty nineteen that I knew what I was getting into. I had run a state agency as the state treasurer. I had been in a very high-profile public policy position as lieutenant governor, so I thought I knew exactly what I would be doing every day as governor. And the truth is I had no idea, (laughs) no (laughs) idea, because that first year, going back to 1972, we had had four federally declared disasters was the most we'd ever had in one year. In my first 14 months, we had 14 and only one of those was the pandemic, and so, you know, it's it's one of those deals where you just expect the unexpected, and and you get up and and you try to make progress every day, knowing you're not going to make enough progress any day, and and that's kind of where we are. But look, I'm proud of I'm proud of Mississippi. I'm proud of what y'all are doing on the local level, and and I think working together, we're going to continue to to really be a shining star in this in this uh, country.
1: Yes, sir. I know I know you're a busy, guy. We'll kind of guess cut it in it there, but we appreciate you being on the
0: podcast, Ben. Yeah, we greatly appreciate the time. There's only so many hours in the day, so we we certainly
2: appreciate you giving us some he's, time. He's today. got a football
1: game to get back to. Here. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Anything else you want to add? Who, who's Germantown? We, who are they yeah. playing? Uh,
2: um, my, my daughter goes to Jackson Prep. Oh, oh, Jack- yeah, Jack- Jack- so Jerry it's time. a okay. soccer game at yeah. at four thirty, and then I'll be back down here. Um, but I went to the Northwest football game yeah. last night. Yeah. That was awesome. Um, Had a great time. they got great facilities yeah. and we what they're several, doing.
1: we got several of the players uh, from Hernando area that play for North. The kicker is, is Corey Elselton's son. I don't know if you uh, – Well, Elselton. I know he made two field goals yeah. to
2: um, start the game yesterday. Yeah, so. Um, so, no, look, life is good. Thank you all very much for what you all do and anything we can do to be helpful, always yes, reach out. Appreciate it. Thank, Thank
0: you. All right, that was Governor Tate Reeves joining us here on the Boardroom Podcast. Uh, Chad, I guess that's the high water mark for us. I don't know if we. Were, what, what's the next? What's the next level up? I don't know. That's, that was, Maybe we that was get pretty, Donald Trump next. Right? I don't know. I will reach out to him. <laughs> I'll email him and see if he responds. Uh, we certainly enjoy y'all listening into the Boardroom Podcast. We had Governor Tate Reeves with us here this time, running for his second term as Republican Governor of the state of Mississippi. Yeah. Now, what's the election day? November. 7th I 7th, think 7th so
1: cashy vote for Tate Reeves make uh, sure you make <laughs>
0: sure you make sure you get there uh, if you can't get there on the 7th make sure you get there before that's then that's right uh, but that's all we've got for you this week we'll have uh, another exciting guest for you here next time uh, but for uh, Ben Piper I'm Chad Wicker thank you
1: Governor